I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Just stone go set up. If you're gonna blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and just when I thought we were going to come in here and have a good show, just kind of recapping the Texas Tech win and talk about maybe bowl projections, Black Sunday struck the 40 acres and blew our plans Straight to Hades. <laughs> we got staff changes. We got big staff changes, and we're going to talk about it on this week's show. Before we do that, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drama extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? How the Thanksgiving extravaganza go at, at the Butler household? Oh, fried it was turkeys, good. man. Yeah, no, good. good early morning breakfast of turkey, and then ended it with a lot of football throughout the day. You'd be happy to know, Matt, my brother did a fried turkey Ooh. this year, and without without my suggestion... Followed the the Butler secret, which you use the Creole mm-hmm. butter for yes, your sir. injection. It was a some very nice uh, fried yard bird. Oh, delicious, nice. House. Yeah, uh, you can't go back to regular yard bird. You can't. Fried yard bird. You I tried can't. it this year and it was terrible. <laughs> regular turkey. It is weird, sucks. man. It's crazy. It changes. Oven baked turkeys life. suck. Yeah, dry. They're terrible. They're yeah. horrible. You it totally reminds to me it. of the Christmas story. Whenever oh, they like open really up. Bad. Oh, Christmas vacation? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That and it's, too. It's not just any, it's everybody's turkey. If it's cooked regular in the oven, it's a bad turkey. You yep. got to smoke that thing. Smoke it or fry it. You got to fry it. You got to do something freaky mm. to it. Yeah. Uh, a man who is a yard bird connoisseur, that's why he can talk about such things. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin Tech and the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, I'll make sure he wears it proudly. <laughs> Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they give you that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. And, Rod, let's go ahead and start with uh, some beat around the bush. The big news yeah. comes down Sunday. Uh, Todd Orlando fired. Done. Out. After three seasons at the end of the regular season. Yeah, we've been there before. Seems like a cycle that uh, we've been going through for the last 10 years. I had to double do a double take and go back and look to make sure I was right. Do you, do you know the last Texas defensive coordinator who got a fourth year on the job? 
Oh, either by mine. either by his own choice or by the choice of his boss. Probably Bull Reese. Carl Bull Reese. Yeah, no doubt. That's a lot. I mean, a long time. We've been going through this defensive issues for a little while, but it's just yeah. Greg Robinson took a head coaching job after yeah. a year. Gene Chizik took one after two Those years. Those were good problems to have. This Muschamp, Muschamp took DCs. one after three years, yeah. and then you've got Manny Diaz. Yeah, this is Bedford. this is attrition mm-hmm. more so than guys leaving for you know better jobs, upgrading yeah. like now. Uh, so yeah. along with Todd Orlando being out, Drew Manager on offense is gone. Corby Meekins has been reassigned, and I've heard that uh, probably the plan is for him to do something else beyond being in an administrative role at Texas beyond this year, but that's where he's been reassigned to for right now. Tim Beck is still on staff, but has had the offensive coordinator title stripped from him. And so you're having to shuffle some things. Andre Coleman will coach wide receivers in the bowl game. Jeremiah George, defensive analyst, if that name sounds familiar, it should. Former All-Big 12 linebacker at Iowa State, fourth-round okay. draft choice of the Jets, I think 2014. Uh, he's been with, you know, he co- played under, you know, Tom Herman was the OC uh, when he was at Iowa State for a year. Been with, was with Yancey McKnight his whole Iowa State career. So that's where that tie-in came from, him coming over. So he'll be the linebackers coach. Craig Niver is the interim defensive coordinator. And Brian Carrington has been activated as the temporary 10th assistant to go out on the road and recruit. But, Rod, the big news in all this is Tom Herman's making changes. Tom Herman sat down, did some reflection, and realized things needed to change. And kind of checking with our sources, because we had been reporting, you know, really – through the last week and the last couple of weeks, things were going to change. There were going to be changes, and we had an idea of what they were going to be. Just didn't know specifically who and when. Yeah. Now that we know, Rod, I think Texas fans should take solace in the fact that Tom Herman realized this program had problems beyond just whatever the coach speak was in press conferences. Tom Herman took a deep dive on this program, at least the start of a deep dive, and realized there are issues at Texas that need to be changed. And for me... The Todd Orlando thing boils down to this, and I heard that, you know, it was a pretty emotional meeting Tom Herman had with the players when he told them Todd yeah. Orlando was gone. And Tom Herman's never fired anybody before. Right, this is his first time firing somebody. So yeah, this is a big long. step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, it was one of those things, though, Rod, and I, we talked about this when things were going really bad for the defense in the middle of the season, and and I kind of compare it to when you're in one of those relationships, and I've been in one of those relationships in my past where you're kind of trying to justify some things, and then you usually have that one friend who steps in and says, if you're asking yourself all those questions, don't you kind of have your answer already on what you need to do? Yeah. And I think Tom Herman got to the point, Rod, where he was just on the fence about Todd Orlando and probably told himself, if I'm on the fence this much, don't I already have my answer on what I need to do? Especially with Todd Orlando. Yeah. Um, it, it was pretty – the offensive one, I think, may be for him because that's his personal expertise. That may be the biggest struggle in terms of him humbling himself in that process of choosing his offensive coordinator. Do you choose somebody who's like-minded like you, who has the same ideology, who's – I mean, I think oh, you just let somebody else take control of what used to be your baby. Um, I, I think that would be tougher for him. The defensive side, I think it was easier for him to extrapolate and go – yeah, that the defense just isn't getting it done, and Tartalando has he's just been unable to adapt his system to how teams are trying to attack him these days in the Big Twelve. And I think Tom Herman made the smart move because if you're going to clean house, why keep Tartalando around? Even if you think I think he can turn it around, I think he can, you know, I think he can fix it and he can rectify some of the issues. 
But if he doesn't, then you are you're ultimately going to get dragged down. Even if you pick the right offensive guy, if he doesn't fix the defense, it's going to drag you down. So I think ultimately the right move was if CDC is going to give you a mulligan, don't use it by saving Tarlando. No. Don't use it by saving any damn body. Yeah, he you know, got at this point, point, just save yourself. Exactly. And that's where he's at. <laughs> that's in where he's at career. right now. And that's why I think there'll be obviously, and you talked about this too, and I heard you um, on, on the horn. There'll be more changes to come. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. He's, at this point, I think the message to, tar- to Tom Herman and the staff has been hey, man, if you got a job, go get it. All right. If you can find a job, go get it. Because when, when the moves are made, I can't guarantee I can keep anybody necessarily. Yeah. Maybe I can, but maybe I'll have to out of recruiting purposes but for the most part i think you get a new oc i don't want somebody telling me who my old lines coach is gonna be right i'm like what the hell man exactly that's what i said that's what one of the most basic tenets of my offense how yeah. i block my run game right. how i block my pass game what you, you gonna give me an o-line coach oh you so you're basically gonna give me an anchor that's gonna weigh me down dude nobody wants to come in with that and you can't bring in the best and the brightest uh giving them that kind of you know honestly it might be that kind of disruptor like while yeah, they're trying to implement their system, and the, the same thing on you know running back coach. All right, hang on. Yeah, running let's say don't matter. there's one there's yeah. one coach on this really staff. There's one coach on this staff who if you if you gave yeah. me money and said go to Vegas and bet on what assistant coach survives this purge, it's going to be Stan Drayton for two reasons. One or, or really three reasons. One, I thought he actually did a good job coaching his position this year, especially when you mm-hmm. look at the development Roshan Johnson had. Yep. I think two. You have zero chance of keeping B. John Robinson in your recruiting class if you let go of Stan Drayton. And as a running backs coach, that's your primary job really is to recruit and get talent because we've talked about how the running back position works. Yep. And then three, if you talk about bringing a new offensive coordinator, as you said, Rod, running backs coach, it is the most seamless transition by far of any of those position coaches. Yeah, you can't you can't do that. So I, I you can't let the so I don't know what's gonna happen to Herb Hand, but I know every offensive coordinator that I have known or know of there's no way in the hell they're gonna let you pick their O line. Your most important yeah. hire is an OC. You could argue it is in the modern I mean? day. Like it's like there used to be the no idea way. of oh, you can go get an all star staff, but that's been proven at all levels to be something that's not gonna work out because you have to have that continuity. You have to yeah. philo- philosophically be on the same page and aligned. So then, if you really are trying to go all in with whatever is the next thought at that side of the ball on both sides of the ball you need to have somebody that has at least autonomy on being yeah. able to decide if we go in this direction i need these blocking schemes i need this type of coach i like these guys x and fill in from there but the main thing that i took from term herman's decision coming out came out really quickly and it was at the point we knew changes would probably be made but you really didn't know any of the timetables and then whenever it happens so fast it just sort of shows the mind space where tom herman was in his head knowing the urgency that it's sort of right now we always talk about the idea well once you start making staff changes it's sort of your last hand to be played whenever you're dealing and he knows I mean you have a year left and you can't mess this up and doesn't want to be reactive and a lot of the time you've seen coaches be reactive but sometimes you don't get a chance if you are reactive so he at least tried to get in front of it at the end of this year as fast as he could once the season was over. so And then Texas in line to be able to get really whoever they want also because of the other way the, the dominoes will fall. You know, Rod, you mentioned something about Tom Herman you know, really getting the mulligan. And every Texas head coach has gotten their opportunity to kind of either reinvent themselves or – yeah. have an athletic director administration say, hey, yeah. here's a blank check. Go do what you need to do. And you can do that one or two ways. You can do what Daryl Royal did and 
go with the wishbone. You could do Mac Brown did this a few times, whether it's like we talked about bringing in Greg Robinson and Dick Tomey or bringing yeah. in Will Muschamp. And then the other side of it was kind of the, the reinvention in 2011, which, which didn't really work. John Makovic once had a blank check to go get a defensive coordinator. He promotes Bobby Jack Wright, and you get four and seven, and Mac Brown ends up at Texas because yep. of that season. But the, the thing that, that really sticks out to me when you talk about getting a mulligan, Tom Herman made the decision – that Charlie Strong and Mac Brown didn't. And you go back going from 12 to 13, mm-hmm. Mac Brown was in the same position with Manny Diaz, like as bad as that 2012 defense was. Yeah. And we all kind of saw the writing on the wall when you bring in Greg Robinson as an analyst. And, and, and But at that point, Rod, it's like, well, if you have that little faith in your coordinator, why are you still trusting him to run your defense? Yeah. And the same thing was true with Charlie Strong. Mm-hmm. Going from year one to year two, we all knew Sean Watson. We knew it was a bad hire when it was made. Well, the Tim Beck thing it felt, felt like that too. Remember, yeah. we, we basically made that comparison to Sean yeah, Watson. That's why Tim this Beck. Is... They had come from the same, almost the same, like both Nebraska guys. Both Nebraska guys. Yeah. And it was one of those deals where it's like, well, okay, you've got a chance, Charter Strong, to redo this, but then you keep Sean Watson, you bring in Jay Norvell, and it's just kind of, well, it's kind of blah. And that's no disrespect to Jay Norvell, but yep. it was just kind of a blah move when you really could have gotten outside the box and really gone about trying to to upgrade your offense you didn't do it and that cut down on the the time you had left to get it right and it was max last year and we knew charlie was on a hot seat Mm -hmm. going into 16 those relationships and and hiring sterling gilbert was kind of the last ditch ever but this is tom herman saying look if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna completely hit the reset button and we're just gonna start from scratch and 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 make this work it shows you humility right there yeah I think he's willing to admit, like, you know what? It didn't work. My first approach was wrong. I was, yeah. I was, I was wrong. wrong in so these So I don't know if he's going to go the opposite. That's the thing about it. Is he going to go in the, kind of the opposite direction and now be a CEO, hire someone on offense to run their offense, you know, make their own hires and do and he'd be more of a quality control guy? Or is, you know, he's still going to hire someone that, hey, man, they got to think like me. They got to be like me. They got to have my philosophy and my ideology. And I don't know if that what's right or wrong. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's it's interesting to, to see it. where it's going to go at that yeah. point, being especially that he's an offensive minded coach that uh, obviously once. And that's the reason why he was so wanted across the country was because he has it. But it's a great point, Jeff, talking, you know, sort of what I brought up, the idea of being reactive in those previous coaches, sort of waiting in that situation mm-hmm. and le- being skewed sort of by either relationships or not wanting to say admit or give up. That you're wrong that quickly, but then you really totally just erase the entire next year if you make that wrong yeah. mistake and done. And this is the first time where you do it. And seeing him do it to the people he did it to, that he has actually long term relationships with, that even say Mac didn't have with a Manny for to do that with Orlando and Beck. That's something that just shows in his mind space the urgency was at the supreme for Herman yeah. to make that decision. You're at the point now, Rod. This entire defensive staff could get blown out. I mean, there's no. There's nobody that's safe. Um, I don't necessarily see the why you wouldn't. Right. I mean, there's yeah, there's no coaches right now too. Yeah. yeah. So let, before we get to the offense, because I think that's more intriguing for a lot of people, the defensive coordinator search. I don't know that there is going to be one really. Really? To me, there's only to me there's only oh, three. That's mistake number one. Well, to me, there's only three names worth talking about. Well, then that's a search. Uh, yeah, like it was gonna yeah, be yeah. one guy. He's, <laughs> he's just, well, but yes. just hear me out. No, but you're there, right. I, I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, we have like, three. What? It's a three man. There's three, three, there's three names worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Scaly at Utah, mm-hmm. I think, is a guy that is, is intriguing for a number of reasons. Uh, Barry Odom, the recently fired Missouri head coach, really good defensive coordinator. But all signs right now are pointing to Chris Ash, and Chris Ash really, and, and you know, I, I think. 
if Chris Ash is the higher whenever that's announced, if he is the guy, you know, Rod, I think every Longhorn fan should look forward to once you cyber stalk a new coordinator, what that research <laughs> reveals, because it's usually been pretty telling. But to me, you know, when you look at Chris Ash's background, a lot of people are going to get hung up on the eight and 32 record he had as, as, as the head coach at Rutgers. But he's been around the program for a little bit. He knows the personnel. He would have a good idea of how to deploy his scheme. And, yes, for everybody wondering, Chris Ash is a primarily four-down guy. He'll run primarily a four-man front. Uh, more ridiculous it's so funny that people are so consumed <laughs> by one or the other. With the two best defenses in the Big 12 run three-man fronts. Exactly. Baylor and Iowa State is like, oh, again, do it. It's like, okay. Or right, as if there's just like, Oklahoma, right Oklahoma, answer. Answer. Oklahoma runs a three-man front. I know. Too, it's, I know. It's so ridiculous. It's like, and it's not the reason you're breaking up with it. Just admit the reason you're breaking up with it because the sex is bad. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't try to, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Don't try to dress it up. Uh, but, you know, Chris Ash is, you know, four-down four down quarters guy. And but the thing that intrigues me the most is kind of doing some research and, and working the phones a little bit. I was under the impression that Ohio State, the two years he was there, I was under the impression Luke Fickle called the defense. I was told he did not. I was told it was Chris Ash. Chris Ash, the year Ohio State won the national oh, championship, really? made a really big difference on what they did defensively. Yeah. So if that's yeah. the hire, that makes me feel better about the I guy didn't know that either, Tom Herman is bringing yeah, in. I didn't Hell, he should have got the interim job instead of Fickle. Yeah, I did research on it, but I didn't. I, I couldn't actually figure out who was calling. I think it was the assumption it was Luke Fickle that was calling the play. Yeah, okay. and, and I was told it was never something Urban Meyer would admit publicly. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it was Chris Ash was calling the defense. One thing is what I, I was told. When I've done the research on Chris Ash's system, and I and I, and I like the system, obviously, because I've done you know enough research on it. But the one thing that concerns me is that you, he needs quick twitch linebackers. That's one of the things that he needs, and you get that at Ohio State, right? You get quick mm-hmm. twitch linebackers to the fast. They can pretty much do everything. They can cover. They can do it. They're NFL caliber linebackers. What's been one of the toughest things we've said? It's been it's been hard to find recruiting here at Texas, even in this culture here in Texas. And to get to come to inside Texas. linebackers that can do it all, right? Well, yeah. that, that that are your Gary Johnson ideal types, right? Even Todd Orlando had a hard time finding those. So I'm just kind of what I'm looking at because I, I think all these guys are good candidates. I mean, I have a longer list than what should be a longer list than you. My my list goes. I mean, I got eight guys on here, but I won't go over all of them. We'll stop at like five. I think number one, Chris Ash probably is the guy. I'm upset that Chris Peterson just retired because I love Jimmy Lake. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. Washington, he is fantastic. I was loving that, but now if interim he's going to end up head. being the interim head coach, well, he is the head coach, waiting, yeah. then that's going you know, he's not going to take no. that job. I really do love Morgan Scaly at, um, at Utah, but he's a Utah guy. Played there. From Utah, played at Utah. Uh, I, I don't know if you're going to – and everybody knows that's Whittingham at one point is going to retire soon. I don't know if he leaves that. He's the coach in waiting, and he's home. Probably, player. and the thing that intrigues yeah. me here's I love, I, I love his defensive scheme. I love, I love the, I love the scheme, and yeah. here's the other thing I like about Morgan Scaly a lot mm-hmm. is number one, he's recruited the state of Texas for a really long time, yeah. and two, you know, there's certain coaches that you kind of bird dog. Like if Cliff Kingsbury offers a quarterback, I gotta be like, okay, what do I? I, I, I missed no something with that guy, or yeah. if like people can say what they want, like if Art Bryles offered a wide receiver, be like, okay, what what am I missing there? Mm-hmm. If Utah offers a defensive kid in the state of Texas, hmm. I gotta go watch film right away. I agree with like, you on that. And, and that's one of those things like you bird dog certain coaches based on who they offer. If Utah offers a kid in the state of Texas defensively, go watch film immediately because no, no, totally there's something there. And I, and and so I uh, that's see my list. That's my third uh, guy. I think Phil, Phil Snow should be on that list at Baylor. Phil Snow's the real deal, man. People haven't done enough research on him. Phil Snow's defensive scheme works. Worked at Temple. Brought them to one a top twenty defense. Baylor, same way. 
And I like that you probably bring in Frank Ocam as a D-line coach there. And he's done a great job, as you mentioned, with that D-line. I also, you know, I think John Heacock should be the top of the list. People are, I don't know why John Heacock is not the top of the list. That's crazy. Everybody is copying this dude's scheme. Brent Venables is going to Iowa State to copy his scheme. Baylor's copying the damn scheme. Texas is copying the damn scheme. Why the hell don't you go get the guy that basically has popularized that scheme in the Big 12 where it's already been, you know, you've already basically had him test out that pilot, that that system against every def- or every offense in the Big 12. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see. I don't know why Texas won't decide John Heacock should be on that list. He's he's on there with me, and um, I think that might be about it actually. But you bring, after that, you get into like the Charlie Strongs, and I'm not a, Barry Odom. I'm not a big fan. I don't think a lot to you. Well, Barry Odom, I, I think they. I think you, I got. I think I named like four or five of the guys I take over Barry Odom right there. Yeah, and you bringing up Heacock right there, and then talking about Scaly and just the fits with the Big Twelve. I think is something that's key because I started thinking about it because this has been a revolving door for defensive coordinators for a decade. And if you look at first, like say a guy like Heacock, this familiarity with defending mm-hmm. the Big Twelve, and then like a guy like Scaly, who say he's been one Pac-12, that Pac Twelve and understands yep. the and style. Jimmy Lake too. And then so that's like the type him. of idea that there's familiarity. It isn't as if you're going because I think a big mistake that was made for about a decade and just like the same way in the NFL that was made with not identifying and working your personnel to your groupings was just going and getting the biggest defensive coordinator. But regionally, the SEC or say East Coast football is so much different than totally what agree. we've seen. So you can be that good and have a great accreditation and all the whatever bona fides you want to put out there, but still coming to the Big 12. And even when you brought up a system fit of players like say well you know but you're gonna be able to get those linebackers to play at texas yeah, maybe you can go up to ohio and get and, them i'm just saying and, but yeah. no but that's a great point because not only am i wondering now about if defensive coordinators maybe also maybe not want to go to because it's really hard why would you want to go to the conference that's at the forefront of offensive football and yeah. it only is going to be like if you are good you're it's only going to be average it's ultimate challenge true but, but just talking it, it made me value. think about exactly <laughs> and it's a tougher job to be done so if totally. you deciding between coin flips between two schools same thing with linebackers the same point you made and it made me think about it whenever well you go to Ohio State it's like well yeah if you're choosing between two you maybe don't go to the Big 12 and it's just going to be a deterioration at that level but I think it is something that could keep Texas from being able to build upon something if they're never able to get it because then if you're good you're a stepping stone and you're gone immediately yeah, I was just thinking Morgan Scally is a young guy, but he's been in the coaching game so long. long it seems like he's he's just kind of an old soul. I forget that he played with Alex Smith at Utah. Yeah, like yep. that's just it's hard for no. me to wrap my yeah, head. Yeah, a long time ago. Long and I don't think I don't think he's leaving Utah. No, I don't no, no, think no, he's no. leaving I, because I don't think so. yeah, I think he's just too not too comfortable. But he's built something there, and basically he's the heir apparent there. The pride I, there I don't think deep. he leaves that 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 place where they've kind of built that program up and the Whittingham family, like. Kyle Whittingham, the dad, they were just running the same system that yeah. Kyle Whittingham's dad ran like 25 years ago. And then Kyle Whittingham was the D.C. Yeah, and now Morgan so, Scali's the D.C. Uh, I don't oh, think that's going to – and it didn't you know, worry, worry me about the Jimmy Lake thing. And I, I love that Washington defense. But, man, if you can't go get them big Polynesian, Samoan mm-hmm. uh, D tackles that they be getting, and mm-hmm. be like, that's crazy. Like, no, no, no. They're gro- they, they probably – them in USC probably – and you at Utah, actually, too, probably have one of the best pipelines for the Polynesian Samoan players yep. who are really good on the D-line. Go look at some of them nose you, you, that, Washington's that one t- yeah, exactly. Utah, go, it's, it's been it, Danny it, Shelton or yeah, Vita Vea. Washington plays like a, two, yeah, like a two-man front sometimes. <laughs> hmm. Dude, th- those guys got to be able to eat up blockers and demand a double team, and what's one of the things that's been really hard to find here in the state of Texas League. 
those big war daddies. So I'm just saying, you got to keep it, those little things you got to keep in mind. And ask them, what's your plan if you need a quick twitch linebacker and we ain't got one? Well, you know what, DeMarvion Overshaw is going to be my quick twitch line. You know what I mean? You got, <laughs> if he doesn't have a, an answer for those questions, like Matt said, make sure he is well adapted and has done his research about this conference because this is the most, this is the premier offensive conference in the country. And, dude, there are about five or six offensive minds in this country that will carve any good <laughs> defensive mind up. And yeah. they, we've seen it in bowl games. Yes. We've seen them get, get, get carved stuff. up with these concepts. Yeah, we can, we can talk about all the names we want for defensive coordinator. I just don't think it's going to get beyond. It should go. Chris John Heacock should get a call. If you don't do don't, any don't, damn thing else. I don't disagree with you. Call John Heacock. And you know what? Phil Snow, I'm telling that Baylor, man, he's a real deal. I don't know if he'll leave Matt Rule because I think him and Matt Rule got a plan together. Yeah. They've been together for a while since Temple. But that guy should get a call, too. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, don't, I, I don't disagree with you, Rod. I'm just telling you what, how I think. I know, but that's, the that's how the search goes. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. Gamble? <laughs> You're not even, it's not even like an expansive search. Just Chris Ash is going to be well, the guy. I, mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I think, I think you start right there, man. You may be – I think you're limiting yourself in this kind of search, University of Texas. And if that's the best you can get, happens to be your also your friend. <laughs> if Nepotism well, is a dangerous thing, well, and, then, and it's well, the it's the least imaginative form of corruption. But look, <laughs> I just let me ask it. for a clarification. Are you saying there's just three that are realistic candidates to expect to maybe be hired, or the whole search? You haven't heard of anybody other the, than the those three are the three. Those are the into. three names I've heard that at this point are even worth mentioning. Okay, but those well, are just. But it could Matt be more expensive. It could be more. Yeah. Could be more. Okay, but I don't. My boy, I mean, just it, for it, clarification, I'm not saying there are not, not a lot of options out there necessarily. Right yeah, now. I totally and, agree with that. And it's, like Charlie Strong is like sixth or seventh on the list. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is, we all agree is unrealistic. But I'm just saying that's how yeah. short the list is. So I'm not saying it's a lot. But John Hecock should be on the freaking list. I don't. I, again, I, I don't. As if he wants to live in Austin instead of living in freaking Iowa. I don't disagree. I don't. He might say, you know what? My my daughter was whatever the hell it is. Like I don't understand how, why he's not on the list. It's so crazy to me. I don't. And if he's not, man, they are they, over there. I don't know what the hell they're. I doing. I don't disagree with. And you. call Bill Belichick by the way. You had him over here to do a damn um, coaching convention. Call Bill Belichick and get hey Bill. If you were God, you got anybody you thinking about? I mean, you you cool with saving? You cool? Belichick, everybody respects you. Just give, give me some advice. Just let me know if you think there's any name out there. Mm. Drop me a Joe Brady. Call Drop Shano. me somebody. Hit, no, no, we talked about that. Call, yeah. call Shannon. Call McVay. You've had him here. Call all those coaches and say, and call Urban Meyer, too, even though he might feel bad about doing your dirty on TV. And say, hey, man, you just got a name for me. You got yeah. any advice for me? That's part of the humility of it. You know what I mean? Because you, you need to make that list longer than Chris Ash and Barry Odom. And this has got to be you – you need to expand the list. If your list is only three guys, you need to go – that ain't, that ain't a good enough list. I need more. I need more options. I need that means you haven't done enough due diligence, right? If those are your options, can we agree with that? That's a it, small yeah. list. No, if it's I, three, expand the list. If it's three, it needs to be five. Like I said, those are the three names I've heard. I'm not saying those are the only three names Tom Herman's considering or, or that even are under consideration. Yeah, well, but again, I don't think it matters because I think Chris Ash is the guy, which is a bad, it's bad. If you already got your mind made up who the guy is before you go into the process, what's the purpose of the process? Agree, Agree on it's that. It's a bad process. It's corrupted automatically. Automatically corrupted. Automatically going to be bad. You will repeat this cycle. True. You will repeat the three-year cycle, brother. I guarantee you. And you won't be here to see it end, Tom Herman, if this is your process. I can guarantee you. Because that's arrogance. Well, after this. I'm, I'm just pointing out history, baby. It keeps yeah. repeating itself. We brought it up now. You're going on your eighth different defensive coordinator and play caller. In ten years, well, and that's when study history. Those who do not study history are what doomed to repeat, to repeat it. it. Tom Herman. Yep, 
Dude, don't do that. Open well, and, up the process. And when we get to the press conference, yeah. when one's announced, maybe crazy, he'll man. open up the door. But still, to be clear, that's, that's why I asked for clarification. But I'm not we saying, don't know this if is your list. Just saying, if that if it is indeed only three, that is a mistake. There you go. That means you have not expanded. The, you have not expanded the search. You need to be looking. I need y'all. I need y'all out there looking surprised. at FCS DCs. Then I need you to be talking to the NFL. Hey man, who's a nice line? You know where um, Phil Snow came from? The league. That's what he got him from. I think he was a Detroit Lions, like a I don't know, it was a linebacker coach, or something like that. And then Matt Rose was like, "Hey, man, come on down here and coach with me." Hell, uh, the Ohio State uh, uh, DC, from the Forty Nineers, ain't he? Jeff Halfway. Yeah. Come on, man. Hmm. They're coach. You know what the NFL, Brady's the NFL the is about? The NFL don't give a damn about recruiting. They don't you know, about it. All right, they don't care. You know what the NFL wins on? Talent development and strategy. They spend eighteen hours a day on it. I know because like, one of my best friends does it. They just sit in the black rooms all day and just watch film. Little tweaks, little tweaks, little ways to win. The one thing we're lacking here at Texas, the details. Mm-hmm. And you know the biggest issue for Tom Herman and what he's got when he does his deep dive? And Mike Shanahan told me this in a cigar room when I was pretending to like cigars <laughs> and drinking cognac. That's four, so awesome. Four ways to build a football program or, or, or an organization. Theater he's of the in line. four tenants, right? You've got to have t- talent acquisition. And the NFL is to draft this free agency. In, in college football, it's about recruiting. Got to have that. You got to have talent development, number two. Number three, you got to have your, your scheme and strategy. And that's the offensive system, defensive system. And number four, you got to have great culture. He said when all four of those tenants are operating at a, the highest possible level, you're going to win a championship. You're going to compete for one. Guarantee it. He said every time you look at a, a championship model, those four things in football, college, or uh, pro, they're working at a really high level. For Texas. People always complain about, man, Tom Harmon's too damn predictable. Too predictable. Casey Stutter tells stories all the time about them literally calling out plays, calling out their own plays and telling guys we're running through the B-gap right there. Mm -hmm. You want to get get over here because it don't matter because we're so good and we're so (laughs) well-developed and we got the best athletes in the country. We're going to be able to succeed. You know, when I played at Texas, when we had Quentin Jammer and myself and Nathan Vasher and Michael Huff and Cedric Griffin were, were sitting on the bench. We played man-to-man coverage 90% of the time. Bump and run. Everybody knew what we were doing. Hell, hell, LSU does the same thing now. Why? You got the dogs to do it, and they're being developed. I think mean, If you go back and you, you ask me the biggest issue for Tom Herman in Texas football right now and why the cycle keeps repeating in the last 10 years, why it's been mediocre, is talent development. I'll give you a stat that will probably make you sick to your stomach, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Texas has had 13 draft picks since 2015. Bama has had 46. Hmm. Ohio State's had 40. I know we're getting the players because I, I, I listen to Horns 247 and y'all do great work. I know we're getting the players that everybody wants. Yeah. What the hell is going on? You guys, 247 Sports, did a great study right before the draft last mm-hmm. this past draft. Mm-hmm. I think Chris you know Hummer, Chris about right here? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, and it was great. It talked about the top 247 recruits and from 2010 to 2014, how many of them were signed by what schools, how many they got, and how many of them were actually developed in the NFL talent. The uh, only five schools were ranked ahead of Texas in terms of those two, the blue, blue the chip, top two four seven yeah, guys the blue signed, chip yeah. recruits for two four seven sports ranking from 2010 to 2014. And <laughs> USC had more; it had 48. Texas had 38 signed. Uh, Bama had 60. Ohio State had 42. LSU had 44. LSU developed 50% of those into NFL draft picks. Ohio State, 52%. Bama, 53%. USC, 33%. Uh, Texas was at 10%. So 
even when when Greg Davis and we listen, I've lost games at Texas because the players play like dog crap. Right, two thousand Oklahoma, we get punked out there on the football field and blown out. But in two thousand one, we lose that game mostly because of conservative game plan by Greg Davis, and we lost what fourteen to three. Hell, they only scored. 14 points, and one of them was off the Superman play. Yeah, seven to three. All right? So the defense was, we was ready to go. Yeah. Mac Brown, coach, scared because he didn't want to play Seth Benson, who could have been the best player on the field potentially if he would have played. And after that, he goes on the rush for 1,000 yards. So coaching, yeah, we lost games because of coaching, but we never lost six or five. We lost two because uh-huh. against Oklahoma, against Bob freaking Stoops, you know, one of the greatest coaches in the history Bring of college football, and, and bringing in great other coaches, we got out coached in that game. You know, what I mean, all right, we oh, we got out played. That's in that the game. margin in those in, in two thousand two. Hell, uh, you know, Nathan Vasher gets hurt, and Kalen Thornton gets hurt, and Marcus Tubbs gets hurt in that game down in, in Lubbock, and uh, Wes Walker, Derek Johnson, Derek Johnson went down, and and Wes Walker had hundred and sixty something yards receiving. I probably should have guarded him. That's my fault. So I take onus for losing that game because if I would have guarded him, he probably wouldn't have went off. But Cliff Kingsbury had a great game, over four hundred yards passing. So in that game, damn it, Leach got we got out coached, we got out played, injuries, whatever. But it, we had eleven wins those years. So when te- if Texas gets back to developing the talent that you have on campus, you'll probably get out coached, out played, one two. Games again. Against similar you know I mean? light teams. Against similar, similar light teams. teams. You know what I mean? Every now, one or two games. You'll get back to winning double-digit games, but you got to get back to developing the talent. So what I would tell Tom Herman right now, what you've had, what's the last offensive player drafted in the first round? V.Y.? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're going to recruit Garrett? You watch Rivalry Weekend? You see Ohio State come down here and get J.K. Divers and Garrett Wilson, and why? Why can they get them from Central Texas? Why? And, and Jeff Okuda and Baron Brown and the other I, guys from Texas. Because I'm going to make you a draft pick. I'm going to turn you to NFL draft What did Garrett Wilson say? I don't want to go to Texas. I see too many guys go there, and they black hole. They never yeah. come out as NFL draft pick. And I was like, that guy was really good. How the hell did that happen? Hmm. You better get back to developing talent. When you bring in these coaches, Tom Herman, you make sure they know I developed talent. I was the yeah. best version of myself when I was with Coach Aquino. If I would have been with Coach Withers, he's he's an all right coach, but I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been the player I was when you brought Coach Aquino in. All right, because that's when I was like, holy hell! Mm-hmm. That's when I figured out the the enlightenment, the magnificent enlightenment of having great coaching around you. The only reason I know football now is because of that guy. And so I, I think number one. Before you know, your culture is bad. We know that general manager and all that crap. You got no trust between coaches and players. Yep, that the culture is really bad. You got to fix that. You got to fix, you know, the scheme, the strategy. That's why you fired all your OCs and everything. But dude, if you can just get back to developing the four and five mm-hmm. star recruits you bring on this campus, you win. And quit telling me about recruiting how great they are. What's the bad? What's the last coach that was bad at recruiting at Texas? They don't exist. <laughs> McAvick was nobody's bad at recruiting at Texas. Yeah, it's players. hard to be bad at recruiting at Texas. Look out the freaking window. It's Austin, Texas. Yeah. You Charlie's got Matthew McConaughey class. kissing moms out here. You don't know how to recruit? You can't recruit to the place where South by Southwest and ACL has made this place a pop culture hub? Are you serious? 50,000 students? What the hell, man? Charlie's, Charlie's, Charlie Strong recruiting. got top 10 classes basically taken like Dude. from August 1st, like the Thanksgiving, basically taking that time. Yeah. Quit listening to these people. Man, he's a great recruiter. Dude, anybody can recruit at Texas. Go ask Bucky. You get fired if you aren't a good recruiter and you're at Texas. You're an idiot if you can't recruit at Texas. You're just an idiot. And you never should. You, I don't know how you passed the interview. They, yeah. The interview, you shouldn't have, should have gotten the job. That means you got I, no I personality at all. But, and, but the, we, can, we can agree there's something, though, and this is, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. I know. Sorry. There, there's I something, no, there's something, though, that separates. Pretty much, And I've had coaches that have been at Texas told me, high school coaches have told me this. When you go into a high school in this state, 
with the burn orange steer on your polo shirt, it's a different it's a different ball game. Totally agree. It's a different ball game. But I think you can agree, Rod. There's a difference between guys at Texas that can get good players and the Tim Brewsters and the Dwayne Aquinas they and the Daryl Drakes. Agree. That they, they get the national. They Chris Sims and the, you yes. know the Vys. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. But my point is. You're going to waste those guys if you don't develop them. Right. And and you talked about Max tweaks. Max Max was brilliant because Max figured out, all right, I know I won't have an all-star coaching staff, but all throughout the years he brought in Coach Aquino. Um, Then he he changed O-line coaches, changed D-line coaches at Mm -hmm. one point, and right around that time is when he got it right. He just made little tweaks. Mm -hmm. Then he got a new D.C., new linebacker coach. But Hardy McCray was gone by the time they won that title. And so was, um, you know, Everett Withers off his original staff. Yeah, he made made some subtle tweaks. So he knew, like, nah, we got to – and I think Texas got to the point where they were just developing talent really, really well. So I know the scheme and the strategy, it does work. It it matters. But it doesn't matter as much if you can develop the talent. Everybody knew what V.Y. was running. Yeah, everybody no, knew. Everybody knew in 09 you were throwing the ball to Jordan Shipley. You didn't have anybody else, but did it matter? No. And <laughs> and the main thing was no. is in the past decade, while we've seen this happen, was not only did Texas on the forefront say like in the first half of the decade fall off on recruiting because of evaluation, but then it gets to the point that well now your scheme or coaching's in inferior, and then your development deteriorates, and you get to that point. So then you can see how when everybody else who Delos would call the Joneses were maximizing in the development, and when you don't have to worry about your evaluation and development, because you look at Patterson, you look at, I mean, it didn't matter if it was Riles or Rule, you look at Oklahoma, you look at Gundy, these guys, the consistency there, and they yeah. know what they do, and there's that continuity, and those things are hard to be able to build up when you come into a new culture, especially one that's different and more unlike any other football cultures when you talk about just the conference. So it's really big, and when everybody else is – developing and evaluating that baseline that they're at can elevate them on any given day to play with teams that are more superior if they do not. Because now if you can combine the scheme and the development at Texas, it seems like we've been yelling about it for a decade, but it all started whenever it wasn't identifying your talent because, hell, talking about players that are still in the league, you still look like this past week. Twice I turn on the TV and I see ESPN talking first. It's like, oh, the Chargers getting back Adrian Phillips. And then like Baker Mayfield goes down is like don't forget Garrett Gilbert's still in the league backing up the Browns like all these players that are afterthoughts of teams that were on Texas mm-hmm. rosters from a decade ago still making it in the league like and then Texas has just continued to put players like that into the league every single year because they were good enough they just weren't good enough at Texas to no they went high. undeveloped in un- Texas exactly and that's, that's the undrafted free agents and we talk about yeah. all of these draft records and it just a Marcus continual Johnson, problem Trey Hopkins just, Malcolm Brown I mean we can yeah, just yeah, never ending Laundry exactly. list, yeah. exactly. Rod, uh, the two things there that you that I think are most important, if you really want to get down to, to brass tacks and figure out what does Texas need to do to, to change things. Yeah, break the, two, the cycle. The, the two things to me, talent development. Because talent acquisition at Texas should never be a problem. should never be a problem. It's still not a problem. No. It's not a problem. Ta- I was watching Here's what I've always said about recruiting at Texas. And you, you guys correct, correct me if I'm wrong or whatever. You're always going to get players at Texas. Mm-hmm. You're always going to get players. Always get players. Are you getting enough of them? Are you getting enough of the Vince Youngs? The difference makers. The, the Roy the Williams. Thomas's. The Cedric Bensons. Yeah. Are you getting enough of those guys yeah, the that, go, that, go, that go win you championships? Agreed. That, that to me is the difference. Yeah. 
So talent development, we agree, is still it's an ongoing process. But to me, to develop talent, you got to change the culture because your culture right now is not good. You got to you got to na- you got to yeah you got a trash culture right now. It's and, terrible because there's no trust between right. the players and the coaches. W- w- the yeah. Drew Manager stuff, whatever. Because I've heard stories on both uh, both ends of the spectrum with this Drew Manager thing. Yeah. And then I always believe the truth is somewhere in the middle, and it leans to one end of the spectrum or the other. But regardless of it, regardless of what story you want to believe, the bottom line is, Rod, as an assistant coach, as a position coach, when you lose the ability to, number one, communicate with your players mm-hmm. and there is no trust there, you're done. Done. You're, you're not going to listen to anything you say anyway. It doesn't so matter. Not developing them. It doesn't matter right. how it happened. It happened. It's like a, it's it like a relationship. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what drove you to cheating. You cheated. Yep. Totally agree. I'm with you on that point. Yeah, and, that, and I think ultimately – that think about so it probably started in the wide receiver room and then that distrust spread like, like rat poison yeah. all throughout. You've the been in the locker room, room. Rod. You don't think guys talk? Yeah, it's just and and I, I and I could tell you and I said this even on just watching on the field. I said I don't think this team trusts one another. They don't, and you can tell. I don't think Sam trusts the O line. Probably doesn't trust the wideouts. See it in the secondary by the end of the year. Yeah, pointing and you can looking see it all over other. this team. Do you, do you know? Do you know when you're playing on a, on, on a good team? I'll tell you, because, again, Rod, you played at all levels. I only played in mm. high school, but I played on one good team, and I get damn near emotional talking about it, and the hair on my neck because my arms are going to stand up. When you're really good as a team, it's not when your your success is dictated on, I'm going to play for the guy next to me or I'm playing for something. It's when, the, when you're so close as a team, you're so driven toward one goal mm-hmm. that my success is driven by a fear I cannot let that guy down. I'm not going to be the guy. My fear yeah. of letting down my teammate Agreed. is worse than a coach bitching me out yep. or my parents being mad or me feeling bad at myself. If he if he can look at me and feel, and he can say, you let me down, yeah. that to me is the, wor- the my worst fear in the world. Totally when you get to that point as a team, that's when you're getting somewhere. This Texas team is not at that point. No, I don't. Yeah, I think the last time they might have been at that point was maybe late last year where you got to that yeah. point a little bit. But I'm with you on that. I mean, there is no – um, there's no trust with the team, and I think it starts with Tom Herman. And Tom Herman basically, with his firings, has admitted, "I didn't trust my, I don't trust my coaches either. I don't trust those guys. If you trusted them, you'd bring them back and go. Nope, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it straight. I guarantee you, we will fix it. And next year, we will be a ten-win team. No, you you can't guarantee. He was that seeing what we were seeing guys. by the end of the year. Yeah. Like it was like, oh, well, they're just gonna go throw what they got at them. You see can, yeah, you can and look. You know the guys don't trust the system, by the way, because they lost. I can tell you right now, just watching them. In my opinion, is they lost faith in that the coaches could give them a coaching advantage. No. They they went to that, those games mm-hmm. with no confidence in that scheme, and we already know that's a recipe for disaster. You even Take, heard the players sort of talk about it without saying so many words, just trying yeah. to not and be the one against the locker room or whatever, like yeah. how it would be perceived if he was only being honest. Yeah, people want to know how Texas breaks this cycle of of just this perpetual rut that this program mm-hmm. is in. And to me, it's no different. When you look at, take any blue blood program you want when they've had down stretches. USC, Notre Dame, Florida, Alabama, Ohio State's very rarely had them, Michigan. Go go look at it. Take any blue blood program that's had long stretches of mediocrity mediocrity or just being bad. Average or bad, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's when a coach comes in and when it gets turned around, it's when coaches come in and they don't humble themselves to the job. They have a blueprint. They have a plan. And my plan, what did Tom Herman say when he took the job? Only the people can mess this plan up. When you look at guys like a Mac Brown, like a Pete Carroll, like a Steve Spurrier, 
it's okay. It's the understanding that these jobs aren't just add water and mix. Because if they were, anybody would come here and win 10 damn games every year. Yeah. It's understanding that my plan, ha- I have a plan, yes, but that plan has to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. I have to be able to relate to people. Yeah. I have to hire the right guys. And you know something, Rod? I know we talk a lot about John Harbaugh on this podcast. You talk a lot, a lot yeah. about him on your show. You know the one thing, and I heard this, and I don't want to get too far down the NFL rabbit hole, but they're talking about the one thing that separates John Harbaugh from Jason Garrett. Because oh, we, we were Jason, Jason Garrett, <laughs> Jason Garrett, but the rudimentary like Jason Garrett's a smart guy, Princeton like educated. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Okay, do you know what makes John Harbaugh smarter than Jason Garrett? Because the smartest coaches know they're smart enough to know I don't know everything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to surround myself with people who do know everything. Who yep. do they know? They have this area of expertise, and they have this area. You know, Bill Belichick has Ernie Adams and all these guys that he leans on because he knows he doesn't know everything. Yep. Tom Herman's got to get to that point. And we talked about this last week where in terms of making changes, we, we talked about alignment and all this other stuff. You could talk about being alignment, but is alignment, is that code for you just got a bunch of yes men around you? Yeah, totally agree. Tom Herman needs people in the meeting room and in the recruiting department and in the strength and conditioning pro- program to tell him no we're doing this the wrong way. We need to do it this way. Or we need to think about doing this different. Yeah. yeah. That's the kind of guys Tom Herman. But then you got to have people you can trust to do that. Exactly. And all the guys he trusts, he just is letting go. So the challenge for him is yes. going to be because he doesn't have that safety blanket or that comfort zone to go, this is a guy I trust. Now, maybe he will, and maybe he'll bring on people he trusts, which I think in this situation could be a mistake because I don't know if those are truly upgrades. Those are just people, like you said, yeah. that he's sickle fans, well, people he, that may be around him telling them what he wants to hear. He's going to have to get out of his comfort zone, much like Ed Orgeron did when he hired Joe Brady. That's what the beauty mm-hmm. of it was, right? Ed Orgeron, everybody knew what – everybody knew – you talk about those four tenets, you know, of, of building a great program. LSU had three of them and always has had three, right? Their culture is great because ever since Saban, we know the identity of LSU football. Great damn defense. NFL players all over. Les Miles won a lot of games. All right, exactly. All right, um, you know that they have great talent acquisition, and you know they have great talent development. The NFL shows you that through the draft. The one thing that's always been missing in terms of is giving them a great scheme, specifically offensively, mm-hmm. that gives them an advantage. They got it this year. Now they got what? All four clicking at a high level. They got the talent acquisition. They got the talent development. Great damn culture, and now. They got the scheme After advantage. Coach re-evaluated and his everything and, and honestly, they like they're going to win a national chat and title, and they'll probably end up with the Heisman Trophy winner. And that's that's kind of what you know I'm getting at. And, but the point is, Edwards Run reached out of his comfort zone. He didn't want to put pull LSU into the 21st century of offense, but he had no choice because he's in the shadow of Bama and everybody there. The standards keep putting pressure on you. That's what made Mac Brown good, right? Pressure it creates diamonds. It brings out the best in people. When AM won the Big 12 title in his first year, Mac Brown went, damn. I gotta get it going, all right. And then his uh, in his third year, I believe that's when uh, Stoops wins the national title. Man, Mac always had pressure because yeah, of that. Immediately, forget A and M was still doing their thing back then, and, and and Oklahoma was a was new in terms of that offense and in terms of them coming back to prominence so quickly. So Mac always had pressure. I think it's what what forced him to tweak the model, continuously tweak it, tweak yep. it, tweak it, tweak it. And I think with LSU. Same thing with, with Urge Run, man. He's just tweaking it. But you got to get outside your comfort zone to do that. Yeah. Even with Mac, getting outside Mac's comfort zone was letting VY take hold of that team. The one thing he didn't let Chris Sims do, who was a great leader too, was have the team. It was never Chris Sims' team. It was either Chris's and Major's team or it was Mac's team. Mac would come out there and do the post-game press conference for him when he had a bad mm-hmm. game. No, 
Let him go out there and, and, and you know what I mean? Let him face up to it himself. And when VY came on the scene, I think Mac learned. I think Mac evolved and learned. I got to let I gotta let VY have this damn team, man. I recruited a dog. I recruited an alpha. Let the alpha go run the rest of the alphas. And mm-hmm. that's what happened there. I think so it's all about, like you said, I don't know what Tom Herman needs to tweak. I'm not looking at him in the mirror. All right, yeah. I'm not looking at you, Tony. That's on you. Yeah. You got to be humble. Brian Kelly did the same thing. Brian Kelly in that 2016 year. Yep. Three they go with four and eight, yeah. and he decides, all right, you know what, I got to change everything. Fires his strength and conditioning coach, fires his OC, his DC, fires his special teams coach, everybody gone. It was just him and himself looking in the mirror. What the hell is wrong with me and my program? Because ultimately, what's wrong with that program is what's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's where that's the biggest the reevaluation the point. What's wrong with this program? That's what Mac never kind of realized late. It's you, Mac. And Mac now has realized. He tells you oh, now, yeah. I'm a better coach than I ever was. Because that 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 time off to, he, had, he had to go self-reflection. He had time to think about where he screwed up. Yeah. When you got have you ever been to jail? One thing about going to jail, mm-hmm. all right, is why when you first get to jail, you're mad and angry at the world because why you in jail? I'm in jail because because of this person, because of that person. Then the man's got me in jail, and then as long as you're in jail, you stand there close to you know, 18, 20 hours, you realize, damn, what's my fault? Why? Why? I think I'm the reason I'm here. What's my role in my own self-destruction? And I think Mac realized that later, and I think Tom Herman's at that point now. What role did you play? Yeah, yeah, I know you fired your OC, your OC in DC. It was some of their fault. But what role did you play? You did something. Dabo Sweeney did it in 2010. They went six and seven, and Dabo admitted, man, I, you know what? I, Billy Napier was a good offensive coordinator. I just butted in too much, and I butted in too much, and me, him, we didn't mix, and we weren't compatible, and that's why everything screwed up. And then he hired Chad Morris. He's like, I'm going to let Chad Morris run the show. I learned. I'm a, you know, I'm an offensive guy, but I'll, 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 I'll twerk some things. I'll suggest some things, but it's his show. And boom, they moved on, and then later on he hired Brent Venables. They've won 11 games, at least 11 games since every year. So, it's, 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 you, it's you, Tom Herman. Yeah. It's, it's that tipping you, point that we talked about yeah. last year with these coaches, and sometimes coaches I'm, are able to persevere on yeah. the other side. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but it's right like, now— It may not work out. And just from our conversation and talking about this last week till right now, I like to see where it's headed because it, it was very quick, and his urgency to do this was. was something that it showed that it was on the forefront of his mind, and it makes me think how, the same way that after you heard, like, Ed O had to admit just, like, I don't, I don't believe in the spread— it's against everything in the football, but I cannot stop it. I have to exactly. sell my soul to the devil. And go. like there he did, and yeah, it's yeah. The, Gary Patterson did it. He did it. Remember in 2014? Well, he yeah. didn't like the spread of the air raid. Yeah. But you know what? Gary Stoops. Patterson liked a lot better being the head coach at TCU. Boom! Hi, <laughs> Cumby and Meacham. I think they what won won 12 games. They won the conference. They won the conference. Even year. Stoops on the front end. When he and honestly, even though even those of, even those Oklahoma yeah. teams since since they came in the league, if you look at the Big 12, is currently constructed of all the teams since the start of 2012. That 2014 TCU team is probably the best Big 12 team I've seen. That was a good one because it was a top. I think it was a top 10 defense too. Yeah, yeah, that was that, that was a nasty team. They should have played in the man, playoff that year, but wasn't that the year Urban Meyer? That was Meyer the year Ohio in? State. Yeah, yeah, they won it. This snuck it in. So yeah. I, I, don't know, I can't say that. That's a good point. Good point. If they if they yeah. if they don't blow a fourth quarter lead in the Baylor game. Yeah. They they're they're playing they're, they might be playing for a national championship. And, and speaking, they might win the damn thing. And you know, when speaking of pressure, that's why I said this is good for Tom Herman because we'll learn if he's a real deal or not. Because Baylor's, Baylor and Matt Rule are putting a ton of pressure on them right mm-hmm. down the road. Uh-huh. Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley continue to do their thing. All right, LSU. so they just continue to put pressure. On. And now, yeah, the ascent of LSU now. And I'm telling you, you better get back to talent development because if you if you don't think LSU is going to start now taking quarterbacks. From Texas and skilled offensive talent from Texas, you're crazy. They've always come and got kind of defensive guys because that's their coach. They recruit like, hey, you want to go play in the league? Come play defense at LSU. Everybody agrees with that. Now they can pitch. Hey, you want to make the league on offense? 
Come play at LSU. Yep. You want to win the Heisman? Come play at LSU. You know we got the best young offensive mind other than Lincoln Riley in the country. They won't. You want to tear up the best Riley, defenses? Yeah. So my point is, they're gonna take. They're gonna start stealing yeah. some of Texas's talent, man. They're gonna start stealing it. So Tom Herman, you better go. You you ain't got much time. That's why I think he's like, I'm firing him right. I'm firing my guys right now. Yeah. You don't have a ton of time. If there, he if flipped it. It was all the pressure was on him. Then now it's all the way off, and it's looking towards the future and being hopeful again as a fan base. When a week ago <laughs> it was totally flipped, and all the pressure was on him. You have to work at a place like Texas, right? And that's why I think we're in an age where I don't know if you're going to get, you know, a Mac Brown to stay to place 15, 16 years because Never. these guys are going to burn out so fast. Because, yeah. like, that's why that's Urban Meyer works himself into the dam, has one yep. foot in the grave by the totally time he leaves. Yeah, Chris the job. Peterson just decided, man, I need a break. Yeah. I'm I mean, that's, I mean, that's, and I know people yeah. are going to make the Urban Meyer jokes, but, like, that's, that's what happens. Like, that's how. No, I totally agree. That's with you. how hard it is. I mean, that's why, yeah. like, I'm amazed, I'm, like, I'm amazed like Nick Saban hasn't had a damn heart attack yet. I agree. No, Jim I, Look at Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh's I literally feared for yeah. Urban Meyer last year in that Maryland game. I was texting. It was scary seeing. He was grabbing his chest and bending over yeah. like how There were times where, there were times where you look at Bob Stoops and I be like, you. man, I wonder if he's just going to no, totally fall you. over on the side. I know they're making big bucks, but it is a high-stress job. And, and you know, it, it, even East talked about his show. I mean, you talk about in the state of Texas. Honestly, do people care more about what, what Texas – Texas head coach is doing, then they care about what the governor is doing. I mean, it's oh, just, yeah, for sure. It's re- you know, I mean, the Cowboys or head coach is probably at this top, but I'm talking about in the state of Texas. That's mm-hmm. how, but that's how stressful that job is. Everybody's watching you, man. Your little headbutt you... incident. He never thought that would go and viral. He's like, that's oh, not man. a big deal, dude. You're at Texas. You're the head coach at Texas. But whether that is going viral, they'll yeah. be talking about it. On I did it years everything. ago. Well, you but didn't it's, do it's it with the those... Longhorn Network <laughs> watching, <laughs> or like this year when you scratch yourself and then go to exactly. shake McConaughey's hand. Exactly. How about that? And I don't know. That was great. just a scratch. Again, showing he doesn't realize, and I know it's stupid. He doesn't realize the magnitude of it. It's it, crazy because he was here. Yeah, and I don't know if it's if it's stick or, or, yeah, or he's doing buddies. bits or what. But it's like when we ask him his first year, he's like, "Well, does it does it really matter who's calling the plays?" Yes, yeah. Tom. <laughs> it, it, it really does matter yeah, around here who's calling the plays. You know why? Because when it goes bad, people want to know who they need to blame. Yeah, exactly. that's why. That's why people oh, care. He knows now. Yeah, he knows now. He, uh, yeah, I think he did. He was kind of naive coming into the yeah, Does like, it really matter when I name a starting quarterback? Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> it really does. He was I'm stuck in between. Piece on it. Yeah. He's like, even though, oh, well, conceptually, why does it matter? It's like, because these people are going to be very angry if you don't tell I, them. I, I, it's all, and that's why he needs to That's why be humble. Reach out to Mac. And I, he's already said he's reached out to Mac. But reach out to Mac. I know you and Urban Meyer may not be on best terms, but Urban Meyer will have a conversation with you. He'll drop you a little nugget of wisdom, even if he's not really trying to. Go reach out to Bill Belichick. They they will accept the call of the University of Texas head coach. You know what I mean? Even if they're busy, they'll, they'll give you three call, minutes. Call Kyle Shanahan. Call Kyle Shanahan. He's a lifetime long one. I know he'll take the call. Call Sean McVay. Call all of a sudden and say, hey, man, I just need some advice, or I need you to drop me a name of a young, bright offensive or defensive mind, even if I could bring him on as a co or something like that. Like, you know, if you got anything for me. And, and, and you know what? I'll tell you, it's a good old boys network. They're going to be looking for it. It's almost like, mm-hmm. you know, La Cosa Nostra. They're always looking. Do I'll do you a favor, but look, hey, uh, don't worry. I'm going to call you one day. Don't for forget a favor. my name. I'm going to have a nephew or a cousin. They're going to mm-hmm. need a job. And I'm going to say, you know what? You want to coach linebackers at Texas? Oh, let me make a call. Hey, you know, Luda Holtz, you want to come be that's my the way the coaching game works, man. It's just favors on favors. So go cash in those favors right now. And you know, don't be don't don't let arrogance be a part of this process. That's what I my biggest appeal to Tom Herman. Forget arrogance, man. Be humble. Be willing to learn. Be willing to listen to any and everything because you never realize what's gonna be, give you the epiphany. Like that's it.
Exactly. That's what's going on. That's the, what. That's the issue. But that I mean, th- this thing can be fixed. Under oh, Tom no Herman. question, it can be. But like like we talked about, it's going to take him Ooh. really looking in the mirror. And and Rod, I think you put it best. Like as a head coach, when or it's no different if you're a CEO or whatever. When there's something wrong with the company, there's probably something wrong with you. Yeah, it's like a, being a parent. Like when you're something's happening with your kid. It mm. sucks, but honestly, that usually means that that little and, and obviously there's some exceptions if something physically is going on. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a kid going through some emotional, like you know, a kind of stress, or they're you know acting up or acting out. Usually, that means like something's happening within the relationship that you have with the child, the communication, something like that. So that's uh, and Tom Herman's got to have that moment. Like, is it is it a deficiency in me as a a, a coach that is causing you know ripple effects throughout but the But I, I wrote this after the Baylor game. There can be no stone left unturned. Exactly. If this Yancey gonna... McKnight's got – you got to start looking at Yancey McKnight. Yeah. Your strength and condition. Dude, you got a lot of guys injured, yeah. a lot of stuff going on. You got you to do a deep dive into strength and conditioning and go, is Yancey McKnight really my guy? You mm. have to. And my guy's getting bigger, faster, and stronger, but also maintaining a baseline of health where they can contribute. Like, you got to look at that. You got a lot of shoulder injuries, that kind of stuff. Oh, man, I mean, I don't envy them, man. He's going to earn every bit of that $6 yeah. million, that million-dollar bonus he's getting at Christmas. And special teams, you need a new special teams coach. You need a special teams coach, not an assistant. I don't want the. I don't want everybody a little piecemeal doing it. I don't want you to money ball it. No, you need a special teams coach. Your special teams is dreadful, bad, all right? So go get that, too. Dude. He's got a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know what I mean? It's a lot for him. I, and that's why the success rate, honestly, is probably, I don't, honestly, I don't know, I don't predict it being very high. The truth is, these kind of overhauls usually don't work. And they definitely haven't worked at Texas. You can go back and look at it. Mike Barnes did a great write-up. Texas has done this three times. They did it in 1986 with Fred Akers. Let him hire a new OC in D.C. Um, and he was fired in his second year. 1989, David McWilliams hired a new OC in the D.C. because he had inherited the D.C. from an AC and the OC from Fred Akers, and he was fired in his third year. That did go 10-2. That was the 1990 season. Shock the nation. Shock the nation. There's, a reason, it, there's a reason they call it shock the nation. Because everybody was shocked, right? <laughs> and he was still fired after that. So the 10-2 season didn't even save McWilliams' job, and he's he, everybody loves Coach McWilliams. Hell, I worked with Coach McWilliams. Great guy. Um, and then Mac Brown, of course, did it, and he played in the de facto Big 12 title game in what? 2013 yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever, and that didn't save his job. He was nine and four. My point being, it hasn't worked here a lot, but like I said, Dabo Sweeney's done it. Brian Kelly's did it to a certain extent. Uh, Nick Saban did it, I think, after his first year. It's hard to do OCDC, and it all worked for them. But we're talking about arguably, you know, some of the best coaches in recent history in college football. And then Ed Orgeron, and Ed Orgeron, but that was a tweak. Kept uh, kept everybody. Yeah, no, kept that's all true. the staff. That's everybody true. got. They got a new old, like a new D line coach or something like that, maybe. But for the most part, everybody said the Insmeager is up there. He sleep half the downtown, but he's <laughs> yeah. up there. Yeah, <laughs> he, that's <laughs> right. He just didn't want to fire his buddy. You know, see, like, look up there. Insmeager's like oh, bored yeah. to death. He's like sitting there. Joe, Joe Brady's, Brady's like on the head. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like he's one of those situations. They say he's calling the plays. I'm like, man, is he calling the plays? <laughs> Looks like Joe Brady's way more into it than Insmeager. Well, it's one of those deals. It's like whatever you want to say. And I, and I wrote this on our on our offensive coordinator hot board, which I guess we'll talk about OCs. Right Right now, um, you know, people can say whatever they want about the the arrangement. If you look at that offense, that's Joe Brady's offense. It looks like it to me. Well, okay. yeah, when you awesome. throw the you ball know, most of the you know, time, too. Which like is common game. sense looks like it's Joe Brady's offense, but maybe he's getting – maybe it is the combination, and you got to give or, or, or Ed run credit for that. He didn't <laughs> – you know, what I mean? maybe it's a little old and the new mixed together. Somebody asked me on the message board on the flagship message board. They were asking something about. I think we were talking about DCs, and they're like, "Well, what is, you know, what what would Chris Ash call on third down in the Big Twelve? I was like, "Well, I I can tell you what Joe Brady does on third and 17. 
Well done. Well done. Dial up a touchdown well play. Well done. Uh, but no, you. look, I mean, OC. You know, OC is I, easier. I don't think it's going to be an expansive search. I'm I think with you on that. I yeah. think it's going to be. I think Joe Brady gets a phone call and he says thanks, but no thanks for a lot of reasons. I mean, LSU financially is going to make it really hard for him I, to I leave. I heard 1.5 million thrown around. Yeah, that's the think, number that's been thrown around. Which man, you throw him and Dave Aranda's making 2.4, 2.6, yeah. whatever. But uh, it is. after this season, yeah. everybody will justify it. It won't even be talked about. Right, he'll get a. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to be really hard for Joe Brady to leave. I agree LSU. with that. I don't think Joe Brady's leaving that. Uh, and, and Texas, that the, the OC at LSU, the OC of Texas, it's a lateral move. Only thing you could offer him is that if we don't know if he's calling the play, say, hey, it's all your offense, you'll call the plays. But something yeah, tells me he's going to be good. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. too, too worried about I'm that. Uh, but I think it's going to be Graham Harrell. I, I think that's the guy Tom Herman wants. Ironically, Texas comes back full, full circle to the air raid. Yeah. Uh, and a true leech disciple. They're the last team in the Big 12 <laughs> that hadn't tried it. Well, Sterling Gilbert was like an offshoot. No, but that's veer and shoot. To me, yeah. that's different. No, you're right. You're the last program in the Big 12 that hadn't tried it. But I'll say this. The Blue Bloods don't – and I, I said a long time ago, I said this will be the coming out party for the air raid because – Cliff Kingsbury in the NFL. Now all the quarterbacks, those, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, a lot of them are yeah. from the air raid offenses uh, uh, from Big Twelve, and they used to be, you know, mocked back in the day. And USC hired an air raid disciple in Graham Harrell, so another blue blood. Only two blue bloods in the history of college football, and, and that and I can track have ran the air raid. You can say three if you want to con- include the Veer and Shoot, but it's just Oklahoma and USC. Yeah. Blue Bloods usually have stayed away from yeah. the, you know, from the kind of the base air raid. Even if it's, I mean, and everybody's put their own spin everybody's on it, right? Everybody's got concepts like, from Sonny the Sonny Dykes has put his spin on it, a, and Dana Holgerson's yeah. put his, and Lincoln yeah. Riley's got but those his. Those are like but, disciples, direct disciples. Right. This of the is your, what you believe offensively is rooted in that Mike Leach air yeah. raid offense, and. Rod, when you start looking at Graham Harrell, and let's just assume that Graham Harrell winds up being the offensive coordinator, which I think right now that's where this search is The report is, is that he wants he, he wants to be considered whether they fire him at USC or they keep him. He said he still wants to be. And you're talking about Clay Helton. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. In terms of they right. fired Clay Helton, yeah. Um, but you look at, what Graham, look at what Graham Harrell did at USC. He hired none of the assistant coaches on that side of the ball. None. Yeah. He just kind of got plopped down into it. They hired one new coach, which was Mike Jinks, who was actually – hired by Cliff Kingsbury before Cliff Kingsbury took the Cardinals yeah. job. So Graham Harrell didn't hire any assistant coaches, is down to third string. a third-string quarterback. Yeah. He beat Utah with a third-string quarterback. Yeah, with that defense. No, yeah. he can light it up now. He can. He gets JT Daniels, what, for one game? Yeah, he can light Two it up. Two games? Yeah. So uh, that, then, to me – just his it, roots, like he, since you said he had not had uh, hired any of his assistants, and some people may pose the question, wonder if that's po- problematic. Would he be able to put down together staff? How but, easily a system can be adapted? No, exactly, mm-hmm. and it shows also that you got a guy that literally is ingrained into that culture and into the air raid, but more than anybody, he's as connected and can reach out to the fingerlings of any other coach. That conceptually, if you pick it up, you understand it and you can fit. Cl- Cl- and there's tons they, of the those all I, over the place, and Harold has as good of yeah. clout outside no, right. of Cliffy. And, and and he's actually, I think when he first got there, one of the great stories is, you know, they didn't have a playbook. So everybody, like the old men that are fr- yeah, freaking like, out because the they didn't have a playbook. He's like, what do you mean no playbook? He's like, well, we're teaching some concepts here. And they're like, what? And if you're like for like a week and a half, it was just like the biggest story around there is they didn't have a playbook. It's like, yeah, it's nice when like the 21st century hits you. <laughs> like, oh, it's our, like, yeah, it's like the Texas media, though. Like, the same thing. Is, asking about the, court, well, have you named a starter at quarterback yet this? Fall, yeah, you know, like some certain questions are going to be there. The same, the same thing happened uh, when Kendall Bryles ended up at Florida State. That's what do you point. mean? 
there's no playbook. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That really it was like a huge story. Yeah, I'm playbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no playbook. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, like, I, just, I like Glenn. I like that. Yeah, I think they used that against it, Jameis it, on the blackboard. In my opinion, <laughs> in, in my opinion, uh, best quarterback Mike Leach has ever had. Not just in terms of the numbers, Ooh. but you look at just his understanding of that. And I think mm-hmm. Kingsbury included. Um, and maybe it's because the the offense was a little but further evolved. I get at that you though. Point. About the understanding though. Yeah, yeah. has I the just, Crabtree. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Rod. You go from in a couple of years being on an NFL roster to being the offensive coordinator at USC, make it look as good as it did given the circumstances, and you don't have just an outstanding feel. And Graham Harrell's respectful. Like, I read an interview when he first took the USC job. He's like, no, he's like, he's like, if you want to get the air raid, you go hire Coach Leach. So there's still a level of respect. But in his defense, like, Mike Leach is the only person still running, like, the air raid in its true form, like but we said, nobody every... ran it in. Nobody ran the air raid like Leach did. All, all in, everybody no now run. is a like a subsidiary because Lincoln Riley, hell, he runs the bar probably fifty five percent of the time. Yeah, uh-huh. you know what I mean. So yeah, I mean, it's I agree with you. It's just it's just like different branches of. Uh, like say is a musical genre, like so now say hip hop, right? There's gangster rap, then there is uh, there, I think now there's a like pop, like pop rap, whatever mm-hmm. it is. There's the R and B rap where like Drake is like singing while he raps and all that. Trap, all rap. these different trap, yes, yeah, trap music and all. It's different. All these different like sub genres. That's the era. Screwed up. Yeah, that screwed and chop. Whatever it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's all it is. They're all the, they're all the same though. Dino Babers <laughs> runs a damn era. They all run an era. So you're on. You, if Graham Harrell's the guy, Rod, you're on board. Yeah, I like that. I like the. I mean, I've always been a fan of Air Raid. You got, you know, I've oh, always yes, said it worked. It. It's it, it it works, and I I mean now they're just figuring out that it can work at the elite levels of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's an offense that you can implement, not instantaneously, but very quickly, quickly, and yeah. have and have production. That's what Longhorn Longhorn fans don't want to wait. They're not going patience. They don't have it. They're not going to wait for a year for you to implement the scheme and guys to add. No, they want to see production. They want to see I, it right now. I think yeah. beyond Graham Harrell being the offensive coordinator, and I somebody asked me like, what would if you take the pro spread and, and marry it to the air raid, what would it look like? I said you. Ooh, that's pro- good. I said okay. you probably got, in my opinion, probably a more sophisticated version of the variance shoot. I would say you'll probably end up having something close to what I know. This sounds weird. If you marry the pro spread with the air raid, and you always say it's always which kind of air raid you're married to. Too, mm-hmm. um, I think you got something that might look something what LSU got. I know it sounds weird. No, I but, can see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I, they they use a tight end. They they love, but they like the hybrid tight end like Thaddeus Moss. They want he wants that's the tight end that Tom Herman kind of wants. Mm-hmm. And they they got a thousand yard rusher and uh, Clyde uh, was it Edwards Clyde Hilaire? Clyde Clyde Edwards Clyde I always mix it up. Yeah, yeah, you Edwards know what I mean. Hilaire. But yeah, like honestly, I think it that's seems kind of what you're looking Saints for. Two years ago, which yeah. would have been with Brady too, whenever they had Ingram as a power run game, but they also would go with more of conceptual oh. pass and air raid concepts. So I, I got this from. Um, uh, Football reference, and this is like a run rate the last three years prior to this year. Mike Leach, uh, percentage of run plays 31% from 2016, 17, and 18. Lincoln Riley, 56%. So, for that's context, why the NFL loves Lincoln Riley. And I'll give you some more, some, some more area guys. So Dino Babers is 49%. Uh, Dana Hogerson is at 52% the last three years. Sonny Dykes is at 43%. So, you, you get the point. I mean, they. Yeah. The air raid has evolved. I mean, even yeah. in the NFL, when you look at just run play, pass play percentages, the lowest, 31%, right there with what you said, the highest amount, Baltimore, 55%. Yeah. And you look at where Cliffy is, Cliffy's at 38%. Like, he runs the ball more than eight in, eight other NFL teams. Yeah, that's a good point. Conceptually, and that's out of, that's a lot of it's out of 10 four, personnel, four well, yeah, wide look receivers. Look at this, which yeah. is crazy. Four wide, he's had 
246 snaps in all of football and four wide in the NFL. The rest of the NFL almost doesn't even have that. Yeah, much. you're right. Not Nobody else has 40. Oh yeah, somebody's like, at the amount of that? snaps. Washington's at like eight percent. Is that that's 10? it? 27 yeah. percent with the Jets. No, it's like amazing, man. But it's and it, you know what? He was running at like 42 percent. So Cliffy's evolving. You better mm-hmm. watch. Cliffy's changing things and adapting. Cliffy's doing a great job if you watch him, but people don't care about that. No. <laughs> Think about how different life would be if Texas beats Texas Tech two years ago. Cliff Kingsbury gets fired instead of rehired, oh, basically. He's we, probably Tom Herman's offensive coordinator. We, we would have hired him, and then it would have been great. If he might Tech have left wasn't just year, absurd, yeah. you'd have been, you probably would have won nine, ten games this year. You, no, last year, you probably you probably win the Big 12 last year with the personnel you have. Oh, yeah. You probably point. win the league, and you probably, yeah. instead of dropping back to seven, you probably drop back to nine or ten. And I wonder if Cliff goes, nah, if he, if he even gets that NFL call then, you know what I mean, or if they go, nah, Cliff is good. We want you for a coordinator. He goes, no, I, I want to be a coordinator here. Because, yeah. you know, he left because it was the NFL head coach. He can't, can't, he can't exactly. turn that down. Yeah, so anyway. I, I wish we had more time to get into it, Rod, but you're, we will. if Chris Ash is the defensive coordinator hire, are you going to be disappointed? No, but as long as the search – the search actually results in him being the top candidate. You know what I mean? Like, if it's already like, no, Chris Ash is my guy. I'm, I'll look at a couple other people. But, no, no, I want I want you to legitimately go out there and look at I mean, listen, I always said a story about Mike Tomlin. The Steelers, they did not plan on Mike Tomlin being their head coach. That was the Rooney rule. They were like, all right, let's go look at this black dude because of the Rooney mm-hmm. rule. And literally blew him away at interview. They're like, dude, I think this dude's is my, like, literally, he's got something. He already got it. You know it. what I mean? Go interview some people and see. You, sometimes you'll interview for somebody, and they tell you if you if you go on a job interview, you just improve your interviewing skills. So you should just go on job interviews. Tom Herman should be interviewing as many people as possible because they'll tell you ideas. Mm-hmm. You, you'll learn stuff you didn't know. About something, I'd bring coaches in and interview them to steal from them. Yeah, they'll get because they're they're going to volunteers. Very confidential info. Yeah, man. So I don't, you know, I want it to be a true uh, expanded search. But Chris Ash, listen, I heard Urban Meyer might hire Chris Ash if he, uh, you know, gets a new job. So I'm not saying he's not the the top guy and should be the top candidate. I'm saying you would feel better if you vetted other guys and then came to the conclusion that he is the top guy. Yes, Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, Regardless, I mean those coordinator hires. It's stuff we're going to look at in hindsight. I mean, I I just and I'm not knocking Graham Harrell or Chris Ash by any means. I just talked about how much I, I dig Graham Harrell. It's just. I've seen this so many times before. Agree where, with you. And, and we've, Rod, we've seen it a number of different ways. We've seen yep. the exhaustive search that led to Brian Harson and Manny Diaz. We've seen, mm-hmm. you know, your president AD have to get on a plane for you to go hire Sterling Gilbert. Like I've seen, I've seen yeah, so many crazy. different that ways <laughs> that these coordinator searches have gone. We see uh, just Charlie Strong kind of settling for Sean Watson and Tom Herman seemingly yeah. settling for Tim, Tim Beck. Beck. It, it, we, we've seen uh, the whole gamut. That I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm not going to say it's the end of the world. I'm not going to say it's fixed. I'm just going to have to be the guy that says, have let's see mind. it play out and yeah. see what happens. You do the research and find out what you like about them and what you don't like about them. But I'm with you. Real quick, we, nobody I, knows I, what's going on. We'll see how the defense – maybe we have uh, something to talk about D.C.-wise hard on next week's show along with with a bowl matchup. But Chris Ash as a quarters guy, I think that means two things. I think, one, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. Your linebackers, if you were in a quarter scheme, your linebackers have to be move versatile, them. athletic. Yeah. They got to be Freaks. damn good if you're yeah. in a quarter scheme. And you got to develop your corner. So whoever, to me, there's there's three assistant coaches I that I think whoever you hire, because if Chris Ash is your D.C., he's a safeties coach, so you're going to hire a corners coach. Yeah. Your corners coach, your linebackers coach, your offensive line coach, and your receivers coach. For a lot of different reasons at Texas, yeah. those four positions 
have to get better. They have to be developed. And I think Chris Ash plays a lot of what they call shadow coverage, which is man to man bump and run, man to man. It's kind of ends up chance. being like a press. Ends up being like a press yeah. quarters coverage. Yeah, a little shit they call shadow. So I mean, yeah, press technique stuff like that. Yeah, that would matter. So I'm with you. Listen, I, I got nothing against him, and I will say this: if what happens, and I know the Graham Harrell thing, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think there's a way that he would turn down that job. If is there anybody behind Joe Brady and Graham Harrell? I think if it got to that point, I think probably you start uh, Rhett Lashley at SMU. I actually like him. I like um, that offense. Which I think if Rhett Lashley's a guy, I think Herb Hand probably stays his own line coach because they're both Malzahn guys. Mm-hmm. Um, at least Hand was around Malzahn for yeah. a while. Um, and then yeah, probably like maybe like a Jeff Scott at Clemson. Co-OC at Clemson. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that's again, with both coordinator searches, that's why we're not going that far down the list because right now – yeah. There's really never the coaching carousel can be a crazy no thing. Yeah. So you never know who could come available. Hell, Dwayne Aquino left and then came back one time. He did. He yeah, in the same all, yeah, same all. It was season. like he never even left. <laughs> like Jerry Gray was here for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> this was somebody was going. What happened? Was it Jerry Gray for? Yeah, yeah. somebody on somebody yeah. on a message board brought up. What about Jerry Gray's a decent? I'm like, yeah, I remember Jerry Gray was a DB's coach for like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Manny Diaz's time at Temple. That's true. Yeah, man. So I don't know. Hell, some people say go get Coach Aquino. You know what? I wouldn't – you could I try because I guarantee you any D.C. you bring in, they know Coach Aquino. They'd be like, oh, hell yeah, I'll take Coach Aquino. You know what I mean? There's some assistant coaches that all around the country, like they'd be – coach would be glad to have him. He'd be one of them. So, I don't know. You can see. Well, we'll talk more about it on next week's show. We'll also talk about the bowl matchup and maybe we'll start getting it. As, see, Ooh, I was gonna, we're, we're going to do season review, but with so many changes, I don't even know if it's Nobody even worth going into. Season season right they now. just want to. We can get into it a little bit. People want to. They want to hear about what's coming. All the up. stuff we're breaking down. The coaches aren't there to do it anymore. Don't, bo- don't nobody want to remember. <laughs> so bowl game. Somebody asked this question. I think it's a good question because uh, the the opponents that have been brought up have been Notre Dame potentially. Uh, now people are talking about North Carolina. Want to see Mac Brown play yeah. Texas? Texas, Texas A&M, which will never happen. A&M won't happen. Uh, that won't happen. And I forgot, there's another one that's been thrown out there. But those three are sexy. I think I want to see Mac Brown. That'd be so funny. I think I want to see. So awesome. The season doesn't mean a damn thing. And I like, think I'd want to see Mac Brown oh, do the horns uh, down. Oh, you, I want to see US, that. USC in the Alamo Bowl has been mentioned, which if Graham Harrell's the OC hire, wouldn't that be uh, That's kind of sexy. Yeah, yeah that would, that'd, that'd be, be really sexy. funny. Are we good enough to go to the Alamo Bowl? If Baylor's in the New York, uh, New nah, York. if Baylor's in the New Year's six, it's it's on the table. Yeah, okay. the Big Twelve gets to pick your number two, but well, then yeah, yeah, you yeah, make it into you would the either have Baylor win the conference three. and they're in the Sugar yeah. Bowl and OU's in at large, or okay. OU's in the playoff and Baylor's by yeah. default in the Sugar Bowl. Man, that'd be sexy. It'd be hard for the Alamo Bowl to turn down Texas, Texas. and USC. Oh yeah, yeah. hell no. Even, no, even Notre Dame, the Camping World Bowl is like Notre Dame and Texas is like their two top targets too. Yeah, that's brand. If not, I don't know what you've heard, Rodgers. I know you're tight with people down there. I've heard the Texas Bowl really does not want Texas. Oh, in H Town. Yeah. Why? Because it would be the third time in six years they've had Texas. Texas already played at NRG once this year. And if you don't get Texas, the SEC probably tells you 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 don't take Texas. We give you A and M. Yeah, and they haven't had A and M in a while. Okay, no, that makes sense though. That's crazy, Hmm. but it makes sense. Man, Texas, that, Texas A&M could easily play in the Texas Bowl. If not, then I think if, if Texas gets past the Camping World Bowl, they'll go play in the Liberty Bowl and probably. Hey, Memphis is fun. I don't know. Memphis is a fun trip, though. Maybe. Oh, that be, cold bowl game. It's always cold up there. See, the SEC doesn't have enough bowl teams, so I don't know. Like, would that be – I don't think Tennessee would fall that far. I mean, you could – I saw one projection that had Texas and Western Michigan <laughs> playing in the, in the Liberty Bowl. It sounds like a Camping yeah, like, World or a God, Liberty Bowl. Oh. Yeah, there's – there's like no disrespect to the Liberty Bowl. There's nothing sexy about playing Western Michigan in the bowl game. Memphis yeah. is sexy, though. Or the godforsaken. Memphis is a fun town. You like Memphis. I would rather have Memphis than San Antonio. Sorry, everybody from San Antonio. <laughs> I agree with you that, too.
There's nothing fun or entertaining about your city. I'm sorry. There's better Tex-Mex in San Marcos. Amen to that. Yep. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get on a rant about San Antonio or the <laughs> Alamo. Host the bowl game here at Daryl K. Royal. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the Rod each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Don't forget, thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, all our classic interviews and shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to find a search Horns 24-7 podcast. You get us, the flagship state of recruiting, all on one feed. Don't forget to like us, leave us a review. Five stars are appreciated. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Thank you guys so much. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. We will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.